And uh, have you found Matthew chapter 4? You find Matthew chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read there in just a moment, verses 23, 24, and 25. But uh, I want to give a, a setup for this. Uh, you see the screen, uh, counterfeit culture. Now, Pastor Michelle made that graphic for us. I think it really is very artistic, and it depicts what's in my heart to talk about. Uh, so today, I'm just really giving you a foundation. This is like a, uh, a pre-bumper, uh, they call it, like a, uh, a trailer, just like a, an announcement, kind of like an introduction to where we'll be in the future. But look at that, what it says. Different times, different cultures, same enemy, same tactic. How many know that there are as a lot of uh, counterfeit things that the devil is releasing in our culture today? Confusion, gender confusion, all kinds of uh, sanctity of life, deception, all kinds of, of um, social media uh, perversions, all kinds of addictions, alcohol, drugs, uh, different types of addictions and perversions. There is so much that Satan is throwing at the culture today. But here's what I want to expose in the days that are to come. We're not doing it today. We're just kind of laying the foundation. All of this stuff that Satan is bringing into our culture today, it's, it's nothing new. It, it, it didn't just come out of nowhere. Satan did not invent new sins in, in 2023. All of these things are just recycled. They're not new. In fact, the origins of all these things we see in our culture have ancient roots that we can find all the way back in the Old Testament. And I'll be talking about ancient gods, gods that God warned Israel about in the Old Testament. And he said, don't let these things infiltrate your ranks because here's the destruction. Here is the perversion of the culture. And we have got to go back. We cannot move ahead until we go back and rediscover the foundation and expose these counterfeit things that Satan is trying to bring into our world today. And... Uh, so this is just a foundation today to kind of set you up for this, but I do want to say this. If you don't think this series will be relevant, I don't know where you've been the last few weeks or months or what's going on in your mind. Sean Foyt, I don't know if you know that name. He's a young man. He's a contemporary, kind of in the political arena, but he's helping fight all of this political perversion and the liberalism that's brewing in our nation. He's pointed out through his Twitter feed just a couple of days ago this fact, the satanic temple with a, a location particularly in one area, the Satanic Temple is opening a health clinic in New Mexico, and here's their intention, to provide free religious medicated abortions. Religious medication for abortion. And the name of this facility, this is so perverted, the name of this facility will be the Samuel Alito's Mom's Satanic Abortion Clinic in mockery to the Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito, which offered the opinion that then turned to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. How many know we've got a counterfeit culture? We have got a perverted culture. We have got a twisted culture out there because we've got a twisted counterfeit devil. So I want to talk to you in the days that are to come now. It, next week, we got Dr. Nichols' conference on the kingdom. I don't know if I'll be ready the week after that. So we'll get to this in the future. But for today, here's what we're going to do. Before we can talk about the counterfeit, 
What we need to do is get a refresher on the real kingdom. We need to get a refresher on the kingdom culture. So if you're in Matthew chapter 4, I want to read verses 23, 24, and 25. And this is kind of like kingdom 101. This is like a primer for kingdom culture. This is just a foundation for the revelation. And I want to say this. I've said it many times. But if you think every church preaches the kingdom like we do here at Family First, you, you need to wake up. There are a lot of people that are still preaching church instead of preaching kingdom. There are a lot of people that are still preaching religion rather than preaching Jesus. Come on, Pastor Bailey. I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting here this morning. There's a lot of people that are still stuck in yesterday instead of walking in the contemporary move of God that God is doing today. But here at Family First, we want to talk about the kingdom. So how many kingdom people do I have in the room? The kingdom of God is expanding mightily. So here's what it says, Matthew 4, 23. And he, that's Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. The kingdom of God is the work of God on the earth today through his royal kingdom ambassadors. Before we expose the counterfeit culture, we got to get a fresher on the kingdom culture. The kingdom is called a lot of things in the Bible. It's called the kingdom of heaven. It's called the kingdom of God. It's just the kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord. And here's a definition for you. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ on the earth today through his royal kingdom ambassadors. That's you. That's me. How many are an ambassador of the king? Do you know that you are kings and priests of God most high? You are an ambassador from heaven. You have resident jurisdictional authority on the earth. God, we just said that off the screen during the offering. God has given you as his kingdom ambassador on the earth, jurisdictional authority. All power and all authority was given to Jesus, to his church. We can tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt us. And besides all of that, we walk in an anointing and assignment on our life because we are big stuff in the kingdom. We have power we have authority. We have influence. I was talking like this one time, and I was talking about the kingdom and being the pastor. I'm the leader here in the kingdom ministry, and I have this guy, and I don't know if I want to say this, but I guess I just will since I'm already wandering into it. He was pointing his bony finger at me, and he was by being contentious. He's about, well, I don't know who you think you are. And this is what he said. You're not some king tut. And, and here's what he said. It's like, who died and made you king? How many know where I'm going with this? Yeah, a man called Jesus died. And he was the king. And he said, greater works than these shall ye do. Because I'm going to the Father who is in heaven. So the same anointing, the same authority, the same kingdom jurisdictional authority that was on Jesus is now upon me to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and to pull down the strongholds and release the power of God in the earth. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ through kingdom Ambassadors simply stated, we live in a kingdom. It's ruled by a king. His governing rules and laws are principles that are revealed in his word, and we are his ambassadors. Now, 
The kingdom then is the new wineskin for advancement of the work of God on the earth. A wineskin, you remember that story in the Bible where it says you don't take old wine and put it in a, a new wineskin because it'll burst. Or you don't take new wine and put it in old wineskin because the fermentation process will take place. And that old wineskin is dry and it's brittle and it'll burst. But you have to put a new thing from God in a new container. You have to put a new work of God into a new paradigm, into a new mindset. By the way, everyone that will come out and support me on Friday night. I'm preaching the inaugural message in the kingdom conference. I'm going to be talking about having a kingdom mindset. I'm going to be talking about thinking like a kingdom ambassador. We have the heart of a servant. We have the mind of a son, but we have the mentality of a king. I'm going to be talking to you about that and to all the folks that come to the conference having a kingdom mindset. But the kingdom mindset, the framework, the paradigm is the new wineskin for advancement in the kingdom of God. Some years ago, we were talking about uh, an orphan spirit, how that Satan tries to get people abandoned and isolated and, and broken and, and uh, separated and like they're orphans. And I taught this thought that adoption or sonship is the new wineskin for identity in the kingdom of God. If you want to know who you are, you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And if you will get that mindset, you're no longer a servant, but you're a son. You're not a slave. You're a son or a daughter. You are royal. You have the power of God resident inside of you. So if sonship is the new model for identity, then kingdom is the new model for the advancement of the work of God. I want to put four words on the screen, and I'll just give you these really, really quickly. Look at these four words. Say them with me. Prophesied, promised, positioned and present prophesied promised positioned and present that gives you kind of a four step four stage four level foundation for the advancement of the kingdom that's laid in the gospel of Matthew now we just came out of the Christmas season uh, a month ago and we know that from Matthew chapter 1 we start off with the genealogies of Jesus right where Jesus came from who his ancestors were who his father and mother of course it tracks the ancestry of Jesus all the way back through to King David because Matthew is the gospel of the king and God Matthew is showing through the anointing of God to the people of Israel that Jesus is their king that has come to sit and to rule on the throne of David, their first and their, uh, not their first, but their celebrated king. And so in the prophecies of Matthew, it's laying the foundation. You get to verse number 22 of chapter 1. It says, all this took place, the birth of Jesus, all the announcements. It took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken from the prophet. So there was announcement. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. All the way through the prophecies, the Old Testament prophets had spoken. They had prophesied, predicted the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. There's going to be a new primary model for the work of God on the earth. It's called the kingdom. The previous model was the nation of Israel. And everything flowed through the people of God through Abraham and the nation of Israel. But God said, now there's a new model coming. The new model is going to be the kingdom through King Jesus. Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government. Let me help you. Of the increase of his domain, the increase of his dominion, the increase of his kingdom of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of his father David to establish and hold it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform 
environment. So the gospel of the kingdom is, is prophesied, and then it's promised. In Matthew chapter 2, we have the announcements that Jesus is going to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea. And Herod wants to find out where Jesus is going to be born. And one verse says he wants to come and worship. We actually know he was lying. Somebody say liar, liar, pants on fire. He didn't want to come and worship Jesus. He knew he was deceived. And he knew that Jesus was going to be born. He wanted to know where Jesus was going to be born so that he could kill him. Because he felt uh, threatened by the kingship of Jesus. So the kingdom is prophesied. It's number two promised. And then number three, it's Position. Everybody say position. You breathe there. Look at chapter 3, verse number 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And what did John the Baptist say? You remember? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is, help me, at hand. Now, John the Baptist was a weird guy, wore weird clothes. He ate a weird diet. And he preached a weird message, the gospel of repentance. But he came and he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it's positioned there where it's reachable. It's at hand. Now, I'm going to slow down a little bit because I really think like God has given me revelation on this. I'm going to re reveal it to you. I've said for years that at hand, the best way to understand that is to go out here to the Gulf of Mexico and, and watch a, a wave crashing in on the beach and in your mind's eye, snap the shutter right at the crest of that wave before it hits the sand and, and catch that wave in midair and then look at that wave and say, that wave is at hand. It hasn't crashed the beach yet. It hasn't crashed onto the sand yet, but I'm looking at it and it's imminent. It, it's going to crash on the beach. Nothing's going to stop it. No power is going to be able to prevent it. It hasn't happened yet, but the motion is already set in progress and it's it's going to crash. It's going to happen. Nothing can stop it. It's, 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 it's at hand. And then one day I had this thought, Pastor Michelle, if you'll help me. I had Pastor Bailey help me in the first service. If you'll hold this microphone for me. Now, this microphone is in Pastor Michelle's hand, right? But if I'm positioned or he's positioned to me, if that microphone is reachable to me, it's at hand. It's not in my hand, but it's, it's at hand. It's positioned. It's, it's just like right there. It's within my reach. It's within my grasp. I can see it. I know it's real. I know that when I get ready and I take the step, I can actually have it because it's tangible. It's real. I don't have it in my hand yet because it's at hand, but now I've got it in my hand. Are you with me? And Jesus said the kingdom during the days of John the Baptist was at hand. It was right there. You can reach it. You can grasp it. You can grab a hold of it if you have the faith to do so. But then Matthew says the kingdom is number four. It is present. It is here. Matthew 4.23. Jesus went through Galilee. He went through the whole region teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. What was he saying? It was promised. It was prophesied. It was positioned at hand. But now it's here. And I want to help anybody today that might still be struggling with this. The kingdom of heaven is not a kingdom that exists in a place called heaven. The kingdom of heaven is an 
environment that can be wherever the presence of God is. And we can transform earth into the very presence of God. We can have a little bit of heaven on earth if we'll reach up by faith. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is not just up there, but the environment that's up there by faith can be brought down here. And we can transform this culture and we can release in America. We can release in Hernando County as the ambassadors of the king. We can make some influence. We can cast out demons and evil spirits. We can prophesy and pray out sicknesses and infirmities. We can speak over delirious concepts that people have no agenda. They have no dream. They have no passion. They have no goals. We can cast out that abomination, broken self-portrait and say you are a son or a daughter of God. And if you can get a vision, a dream from God inside of your heart, I don't care who you are, where you've been or what you've done, God can forgive and forget every sin you've ever committed. He can prophesy you into your future and he can give you an assignment and you can walk with some stagger in your step because God is with you. We can change the culture because the kingdom is here. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that Jesus isn't coming back. Listen to what I say, not to what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the rapture is not taking place. I'm not saying that everything is totally going to be fulfilled right now. We all know that Jesus is going to come. We all know that his millennial reign, his kingdom rule and reign is not 100% going to be in authority on the earth until he comes down and every knee bows and every tongue confesses the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign. We're not taking away that blessed hope, but we're also adding to the blessed hope that the fullness of the kingdom is coming with enough confidence to say, you know what? We've got some of it right now. It's here now, but it's coming in greater dimensions. But the fact that it's coming in greater dimension doesn't give me permission to just sit down and not do anything with what God has already given me today. And I'm starting to get a little bit tired this morning. We had a great moving service at 8.30. I just preached my heart out, so I'm doing it here again this afternoon. And what happens sometimes when I get tired, the filter kicks out. That's what a lot of old school people in the church used to do. They used to get saved. They used to sit. They used to soak and they used to sour and, and they didn't have any assignment they didn't do anything they came to church and criticized the pastor and everything that was going on they came and criticized the worship leader well you didn't sing my favorite song today well why don't you sing a special next Sunday you know what special music is music that's not very special how many grew up with special music in your church I did too and, and, and we just got that mentality well I'm not doing anything but I'm going to criticize and I'm going to judge and I'm going to supervise anybody else that is doing anything they don't have an assignment they don't have a revelation of what God has called them to do. They need to wake up and smell the roses and say, you know what? You're a kingdom ambassador. And here's the word that used to drive me crazy. Whew. I don't know why I'm just getting out. This has been the day. This has been the day. Here's what people used to drive me crazy. They'd say to me, Pastor, they'd make appointments. They'd call me up. They'd come in with these great revelations. Tell me about some horrible situation. And here would be their famous line. The church should do something. Here's my answer to that. You're right. Are you a part of the church? Are you saved? Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Are you in the work of God? Then 
if you've got that dream or that vision of what you think might need to be done, maybe what irritates you is an indication of what God has assigned to you. But if all you're going to do is come and criticize me because I'm not doing what God has laid on your heart to do, why don't you go to repent and go doing what God has told you to do and give me authority and permission and joy to keep on doing what I'm doing? Where's Pastor Bailey when I need him the most? I like the way you people are shouting now. Everybody okay? So, yeah, the kingdom is coming in greater dimensions. I understand that. I'm not of the philosophy that we're going to get everything perfect. And then when we get... There are some that... I I don't know. I guess they're so deceived that... But let's not argue about something that really doesn't make any sense. We are in the kingdom. The kingdom is here. But it's going to be even greater when it comes in the next level of fulfillment and dimension. So here is the point. And I'm giving you a precursor. I'm just giving you a foundation for the conference to tell you worth. This is like Kingdom 101. It's like a kingdom primer. There's four things. There's four mandates that we must do then in response to this admonition from Jesus. Number one, we must teach. Everybody say teach. We must teach the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 4.23, he, that's Jesus, went throughout all Galilee doing what? Teaching in their synagogues. Jesus is the master teacher. When he launched his public ministry, it was primarily a teaching ministry. And what was Jesus' primarily subject that he loved to teach on? The kingdom. Read the Gospels, particularly Matthew. Read about all the parables. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is explained by this. Here's what it likes to understand the kingdom. And the summary of the gospel of the kingdom was taught by Jesus, the master teacher. We must teach the gospel of the kingdom. I don't want this to sound self-serving. God knows my heart, but I wouldn't give a wooden nickel for a church that's not a teaching church. If all a church has got is a bunch of noise and a bunch of emotion and a bunch of celebration and a bunch of ballyhooing and there's nothing ever taught that gets into the minds of the people and helps them understand the word of God and package it, studying to show themselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed but rightly deciding the word of truth. If they don't know what the sermon was when the way they walked out the door I don't care if they swung from the chandeliers jumped over the pews and had a holy ghost hoedown if they're not learning what God is teaching them I wouldn't attend that kind of church I'm just telling you where's Joe at Joe Joe De Silva he's putting some there he is right there you know what Joe tells me he comes up to me all the time I'm his best fan or he's my best fan he really is he thinks I'm faultless. Now, the rest of you folks don't tell him that's not true because he still believes that. When he comes up to me all the time, he says, Pastor Colts, let me tell you something. Pastor Colts. And if you don't give eye contact, he'll get eye contact with you. And he says, Pastor Colts, you're not a preacher. You're a teacher. And I said, okay, Joe, I'll, I'll take that um, title. That's okay because Jesus is a great teacher. Although I think you can do both. Because I was under the philosophy that anybody that's preaching ought to have some content so that they teach you something. At the same time, don't call me uh, or don't, don't say that teachers have to be boring. I, I think you can have the best of both worlds. But Jesus' primary ministry was what? Teaching 
the gospel of the kingdom. Can I give you some examples? We must teach that the call to salvation is not a call to join the church. It's a call to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It's not a call to get saved. It's not a call to accept Jesus Christ. And I've already said this. You've already been here in my heart and never done anything for God after the moment you came to the altar and got saved. You need to step on up. Here's a video clip from Pastor David Garcia at Grace World. He's going to be a part of our kingdom conference this weekend. I love the way he explains this. If you could just roll that for me, please. Salvation is only the beginning of the kingdom. Entering the kingdom is a whole lot more. Yes. Salvation is one thing. Subjugation and sanctification is the goal of Christ. God bless you. I'm Pastor David Garcia. I had the privilege of uh, pastoring here in Hernando County for 30 years, Gracewell Outreach Church, and I've been an evangelist for the last five years. Imagine you invite me to your house and uh, you serve dinner, you take my coat, you say, come on in. I say, no, bring the food to me in the hallway. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Uh, and you say, no, but come in and rest yourself. Bring, bring everything here, bring me a chair in the hallway. And I refuse to leave the hallway. Jesus said, when you're born again, uh, you enter the kingdom of God. But you know, you need to go further than the doorway. And the doorway is this. You move from the doorway to the government of God and the rulership of God. Amen. And we need to ask ourselves, does God govern me? Does he rule over me? My session will be based on my book, The Gospel of the Kingdom of God. I hope to see you there. God bless you. That's awesome. I love the way he phrases that because we've got to teach people salvation is more than just joining a church. It's becoming an ambassador of the royal kingdom of God. Now, I've got some very strong statements, and here's the first one. The church has substituted the gospel of the kingdom with the gospel of salvation. We have told people, just come to get saved, ask Jesus into your heart, and then just, there's nothing beyond that. There's nothing more for you beyond that. And the result has been a weak ineffective, underachieving church because people have no clue of their kingdom assignment. They think born again is getting all there is to it. And then after they get saved, they don't move on into the rest of the work. So we have got to teach the kingdom of God. Are you with me? We must teach that people will understand the principle of dual citizenship. I'm a citizen of the United States and I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. I just could be controversial, but maybe not in this house. Truly, my philosophy is America, love it or leave it. Especially if you want to get on social media and criticize it. Amen. Just leave now. Come on. I'm preaching better than you're shouting for sure. Amen. Don't let the door split you or hit you on the back where the good Lord split you. Just, just go. You know, just, just, just leave. Just, just. America. I don't know, sweetheart. I'm sorry. Um, that's the way Naomi explained it to me. So I'm just telling you. And she's an elder, so it's okay. Breathe, church, breathe. It's okay. There's, there's more to the kingdom. And we've got to teach people that they're a citizen of heaven. I'm a Floridian. I'm a, an American. 
before I was an American, before I was a Floridian, I was a Hoosier in Indiana, and then I became a Missourian. But beyond all of that, I'm an Havanian. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And my identity is not tied to the location that I reside here in this world. Even though I'm an American and now I'm a Floridian, and even though last week I did put the Florida cracker sticker on the back of my F-150. Now, now you know, you know those, white, those white cowboy boots that are upside down and they look like the state of Florida? I got one on my F-150 now, and I feel good. When I'm cruising through Brooksville, the people are waving at me. Used to be when I would cruise through Brooksville, you know, in my Lincoln, they would look down and they would grimace and they would complain. I could hear them muttering under their breath. But now when I drive through Brooksville in my Ford F-150 with the Florida cracker on the back window, they're giving me high fives and they're waving. It's, it's like a whole new environment. Uh, but I'm more excited about being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We got to teach dual citizenship. Here's what we got to teach. We got to teach that people will understand the principles of kingdom economics. Now, I teach without apology kingdom prosperity. Family first, I'm going to tell you, family first would not be debt-free today without the revelation of kingdom prosperity that people like Dr. Mike Brown and others have helped us understand. And it's not selfish. It's not so that we can have more stuff. It's taking what we already have and sowing it as a seed into our future and wrapping our faith around it and believing that God can grow it and bring it back to us as a harvest so that we can have more than oh you guys are getting way too quiet on here here this morning don't, don't challenge me on this kingdom prosperity thing you'll never tell me in a million years that God's plan is for the church to be broke busted and disgusted I grew up that way I was taught that mentality we had lots of vision we just had no provision to do anything with the vision that God have us and we got then into frustration and stagnation but when we realize that we can take what God has given us and it's a seed and we can sow it with faith into our future and believe that God will bring back a harvest and what you've got to understand is God's got something for you God would never give you an assignment without giving you the resources to, to fulfill it and I'm going to tell you the truth on my, my session Friday night when, when I'm talking about some of these kingdom thoughts here's a revelation for you the church in the 21st century has got to get beyond the mindset of offerings and get to the mentality of seed. If I live all of my life thinking that God needs my offering. And so here's, here's the conversations. This is off the script now. Here's the conversations that go in an offering-minded church. Well, does God really demand 10%? You know, I, I, do you really think that the tithe is demanded for today? And, and then here's the clincher. Well, you know, I, I've had the discussion. I'm trying to understand, does God expect 10% off the gross? Or does God just expect 10% off the net? You know, it, it's just, what little can I get by with? You know, what is the minimum requirement? I, so I just want to give God, and, and uh, here's the term that that drives me crazy, free will offering. Well, number one, offerings aren't free, and most of us don't give it with a good attitude anyway. So, you know, it's the, the concept of a free will, or, or here's another concept, a love offering. 
<laughs> you, you, you ever been an itinerant ministry and people received a love offering? You, you find out where the rubber really meets the road. But, but the church has got to go beyond the concept of offering in the sense that God can't survive. God, God's kingdom is going to go broke if I don't throw in my quarter today. Where do we get that stupidity? A friend of mine said he's going to write a book sometime, Stupid Things We Say in Church. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of stupid things we say in church. They don't have biblical foundation. God doesn't need your quarter. God, God doesn't even need your tithe. Now, God receives your tithe with honor, and he will take it and acknowledge that you are sowing the seed of honor back to the kingdom of God, and God will increase, and you'll find out that the 10% that you gave up will increase back into your life many times over, and you'll accomplish a whole lot more with 90% and the blessing of God when you could with 10%, with 100% the first place. But if you get that offering mentality rather than honor and seed and tithe mentality... You're going to live in yesterday's experiences rather than in tomorrow's blessings. I'm teaching the truth. It's absolutely a fact. we got to teach economics to the people. Because here in the kingdom, you know there's a difference between a kingdom and a country, right? In a country, the citizens support the government. We do. I do, we pay taxes, I pay taxes, but with the wisdom and insight of a CPA, hopefully not one penny more than what I rightfully owe. But in the kingdom, the citizens don't support the government. The king has all the wealth of the kingdom. And when he likes you, when you find his favor, when you are doing the things that build up his dominion, there is no limit, there is no, uh, there, there is no shortfall of the resources that he will open up to you because he's seeing you fulfill the kingdom expansion of his work on the earth. And that's, that's, that's powerful. And so we ask God to take... Oh, I just said, let me say it this way. How many know God's not broke? Isn't it amazing the philosophy that a lot of people live by? That God's, God's kingdom is going to suffer if I don't give my, you know, $5. If I don't tip on Sunday. And, and here's what some people do. They manipulate ministry by picking and choosing where they put their money. Can I say something? I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop asking if I can say something. I'm just going to say it. The tithe is undesignated. The tithe was brought to the priests in the Old Testament, and they were responsible to do with it what God had placed on their heart to do. Now, we give alms, we sow seed, we give to different things, and, and we can place those where we want them to go. But to take tithe, if I was uncomfortable with the ministry of the church, but I wanted to take my tithe and give it to missions because I don't like the message that the pastor preaches, but I won't want the guilt of knowing that I'm not giving to God, so I'm going to take my tithe and I'm going to call it missions so that I can manipulate ministry. How many know you're not going to manipulate God not one moment of your life? And that's dishonor, and it removes the blessing that God... I don't know why I said that. I don't know who needed it, but whoever the one that needed that, the rest of us had to sit through it just for your benefit. I'm just saying. So I hope, you, I hope you're listening that time so I don't have to say it again. 
We must teach kingdom economics. Number two, we must not only teach the gospel of the kingdom, we must preach the gospel. Verse 23b, he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, that's the word caruso, announcing, declaring, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's the idea of a town crier going from house to house, going from village to village with news. And he's riding in on his horse and he's announcing, declaring, this is the news. This is what you need to know as the citizens. And then he'd ride on. That's what we're doing. We're preaching the gospel of the kingdom to whoever will listen. That's the gospel Jesus preached. It's the gospel Paul preached. It's the gospel that we must teach and preach. It's the gospel of the kingdom. But the church, I said earlier, the church has changed the gospel of the kingdom to the gospel of salvation. Here's another thing the church has done. The church has substituted the great commission, which is what? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. We have substituted the gospel of the great commission to the gospel of the great invitation or the great advertisement. Instead of declaring... This is the word of God. This is the kingdom of God. I'm announcing and declaring to you the word of the Lord. We've changed it to the great invitation, the great advertisement. Instead of go ye into all the world, it's come ye to my church. I'm going to get real with you for a little while. Every church-driven social media post is always from a consumer mentality, trying to attract you to their facility, attract you to their ministry, attract you to their organization, attract you to their creature comforts, attract you to their facilities, attract you to their worship team because they're the greatest musicians in the world, attract you to their building, attract you to their technology. Oh, we just got the LED video wall. We have our whole building now. It's bigger and greater than the IMAX. Everybody in Hernando ought to just come and see the family first video screen. I don't give a royal rip about the family first video screen. It's important, and I want it to work. And if it doesn't work, I'll fix it. And if you don't believe that, you need to be around here on Sundays besides Sunday because I fix things. But beyond all of that, we want the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this house because we're not attracting people to a consumer-oriented people. We're asking people to find a place where they can give their life and they can sow it, not as a consumer but as a producer to do something for God's kingdom. That's why we got young people, and I'm just giving it all out this morning. We got young people from a consumer-minded church that are clueless to the idea that God's call would come into their life to give up their comforts, to give up their conveniences and go to the other side of the world and become a missionary to Africa or to some other unreached people group on the other side of the world and sow their whole life into the work of God and produce something of significant work for the kingdom. Because we've produced consumers, not producers. And they don't have any clue that they have an assignment. They just think that they're supposed to just pick and choose churches like you pick and choose your cornflakes. I'm going to go to Publix today because they're on BOGO. I'm, I'm going to go to Winn-Dixie because they're two cents cheaper. If you're looking for the cheap house, honey, this ain't the one. 
If you're looking for a cheap preacher, I'm telling you the exact truth in my heart. If you're looking for a preacher that'll tell you the easy way to heaven, go sit under that ministry. I'm going to tell you the way of the kingdom is hard. And you have got to surrender your soul to Jesus. If any man will deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, then let him be a part of my kingdom. Now, don't misunderstand what you get in return. Far outweighs anything that you give up. God gives back so much more. Pressed down, shaken together, full and running over. God will give back. God never takes away anything that he will not give you twice as much back in return. But if you enter the process negotiating for the lowest common denominator, you're going to miss the whole concept of what it means to be a servant in the kingdom. We must teach the gospel. We must preach the gospel. Here's what we must do. We must demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom of God. Verse 23. Preaching and teaching. And then it says, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Jesus not only taught the kingdom, he released the kingdom. He uh, announced the kingdom. And what of? One of, if not the primary way that we are to release the kingdom in this culture is by facilitating the miracles and the signs and wonders of the healing of God. This is a calculated statement. I've thought about it. Some may disagree. But I really believe in today's world, one of the greatest ways that we can release the kingdom is for pray for people that are sick and let the signs and wonders of God touch their bodies and demonstrate in a felt need the fact that if God can heal their body, it's proof that God also can heal their soul. And it's great that their body gets healed, but it's even greater that the sin sickness of their soul gets healed so that they can go to heaven someday and live together for Jesus forever and ever. And we release the kingdom by praying for signs, wonders, and miracles. Addictions to be broken in the name of Jesus. You can go through 10, 12 steps, however many there are now, and jump through all the hoops and quote all the sayings and do it all. At the end of the day, if there's a human being that's under an addiction, that's a demonic stronghold on his life, he needs someone with an anointing of the Holy Ghost that can lay his hands on him and speak that this religious demon of addiction has to be cast out of him in the name of Jesus. And alcohol and drug addictions and pornography and all those sorts of things, they have no right to stay in the body of this person that's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I commend it to go in the name of Jesus. And if that's anything anybody in this room needs this morning, then receive it. If you've been catching yourself looking at things you've got no business looking at, and you're coming to me and you're saying, oh, pastor, but I'm asking for somebody to help me, and I've been reading these self-help books, and I've, I've been asking a brother for accountability. All that's well and good, but let me ask you to add to your list someone that has an anointing that's been delivered in the past because whatever they've been delivered of makes them a deliverer from, and someone that has been delivered from that by the Holy Ghost can lay their hand upon you because they know where you've been, and they can destroy the stronghold that's in your life and speak deliverance and the spirit of God can flee in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Former alcoholics are the best people I want to lay hands on my people that are struggling with addictions and, and alcohol and perversions. And I wouldn't dishonor anybody, but we had someone here in the first service and I wouldn't call his name, but you all know him. Less than four years ago, he was addicted. Five years ago now, I've known him for almost two years. Five, six years ago, overly 
overwhelmingly uh, addicted to alcohol. Life was in a mess. Had no money, not a penny to his name. And marriage was down the tubes. He called out to God and said, oh, God, deliver me. Today, God has delivered him. He's not had one drop of alcohol in at least three or four years, maybe longer than that that I'm going to know of. His marriage is strong. He's got money in the bank. He's sitting on a piece of real estate that most of us would die for. And it's because the power of God can deliver in the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord. Demonstrate the kingdom. You know what else we're going to do? We're going to expand the kingdom. Teaching the gospel of the kingdom, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom, and then here's verses 24 and 25. So fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him, that's Jesus, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those possessed by demons and those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them all, verse 25. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Great crowds because the kingdom was expanding. The work of God needs to be increasing in our day. The work of God needs to be growing in America today. And I'm not a a negative person I'm not a negative Norman. I'm not a person that's going to stand here and, and tell you all the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket because the church is so messed up. And, but I'll tell you what, the majority of churches in America are on decline. It's just a fact of sociology. But not kingdom churches. Kingdom churches are growing. They're increasing. They're releasing to the people the power and the anointing of God. And great crowds came from everywhere. To follow Jesus because he had something nobody else had. He had a vision from the Father to produce on earth a model of what we all already know was in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And you know what we'll do more for God? Pastor Meredith, why don't you come on up? What we'll do more for God in this city than anything I can imagine, expanding the gospel of the kingdom of God is when churches that are kingdom-minded and when pastors and leaders come in the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace with a kingdom mindset to work together to advance the kingdom of God in this community. And here's the last bold statement We've changed the gospel of the kingdom to the gospel of salvation. We've changed the uh, go ye into all the world to the come ye to my church. And here's this last one. We've changed the mandate for unity to the notion of uniformity. And here's what we thought. Well, if we're going to work with them and if they're going to be like on the same team with us and and if we're going to partner with what they're doing in their work and asking them to partner, then then we all all got to be just alike. We all got to dress the same. We all got to look the same. We all got to talk the same. We all have to have the same style. We all have to have the same um, way about doing things. And the differences in king. Now, I understand fully that if a person is not saved, they're not 
born again. They don't understand the authority of the Word of God. They're, they're not recognizing the person of the Holy Spirit as real and viable and operating on the earth today. If they're a part of some religion that's not a part of the rudimentary orthodox principles of Christianity, then, then really I can't help them. I'm not suggesting that we become, and this is the word that Sodom people have used as a demonic thing, ecumenism, ecumenical. I'm not saying that we can join hands with every religious organization in town. There are some that we can't. Come on. There are some kingdoms that have halls that we can't be a part of. Because their king is not Jesus, not the one of the word of God that is the divine son of God that was born as a savior and went to the cross and died for our sins. Not just dying for us, but dying as us. They have a whole different concept. I'm telling you the truth. You ought to thank me for this. They'll come to your door. We love Jesus too. Here's your answer. The Jesus that you talk about in your literature is not the same Jesus as the word of God. The Jesus of the Word of God is the sinless, spotless. He is the uh, eternal, self-existent, not just the Son of God, but He is God the Son. All the incarnate of the Godhead bodily rested in Jesus. And if your Jesus is anything less than the divine, supernatural Son of God, it's a different Jesus. Don't get me fired up on that. But if we have the right Jesus, if we have the right book, we have the right spirit it doesn't matter that we agree on everything can we work with a church that doesn't speak in tongues help me yes we can can we work in a church that understands their doctrine of unconditional eternal security can can we work with them of course we can We, we can we can work with anybody that's preaching and teaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so don't let, and and you'll hear this, this is all over social media. Not right now, but it has been in years past. Oh, well, the church, they're all talking this kingdom. What it is, is just a compromise. That they're all giving up their distinctives. That they're all giving away their pure doctrine. And they're all just becoming one big religious group that's all meshed together. That's not true. If you've listened to me for five minutes, you know that I'm not giving up my Pentecostal distinctives. I'm not for one minute, one second, giving up the Word of God that's in my heart that was instilled in me from the day I was born. I am who I am, and nobody had better challenge that because I'm confident in what I believe. But I'm willing to set that aside and take the hands of a person that doesn't have the same stream of revelation that I have so that we can work together to do something for the glory of the kingdom of God. So we got people that they're from different streams. Do you know the Bible says in, what is it, Isaiah? I'd have to look it up. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There's one river, and it flows in multiple streams. There's in, 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 even in full gospel circles today, we got like the, uh, well, I'll, I'll t- we'll start with us. Assemblies of God. Technically, we're what we call classic Pentecostals. That, that's our stream. That's our revelation. That's our understanding. That's our fam- framework of doctrine and, and uh, way of approaching the Word of God. Ask Mauricio. He's been studying all this stuff. He'll enlighten you. We're classic Pentecostals. Then there are charismatics. Then there are word of faith. Then there is the revival stream. 
than, than there are, um, what was another one? There are, Word of Faith, I talked about that. Um, Charismatics, I talked about that. There's these, there's these different streams. And people, oh, we can't, we can't flow with other people that are in other streams. Of course we can. I can worship with most anybody. <laughs> I don't care if you got the Church of God jerk. You ever, you ever been in Church of God? And, I mean, power of God comes and they just jerk and the hairpins fall and the big bun comes down. I mean, I, I, I can work with the Church of God. I can even hop with the charismatics. You got the Church of God jerk and the charismatic hop. I can even operate with the Assemblies of God sway. You know, that's the way most of we, we're not quite jerking, we're not quite hopping, but at least we're swaying a little bit. It's a start. It's a good place to get moving. At least, at least you're not tied up. I can work with most anybody because there is a river whose multiple streams make glad the city of God. And I'm so excited as I can possibly be that this coming weekend, there's going to be people from all over Hernando County, different ministries, different pastors, different leaders. And I'm praying that the response of this is off the charts. I'm praying it's over the top because this heart, the attitude of this church and myself and all the members of our team is that we're not the only church in town. We're not comparing ourselves with any other church in town. But we do believe that God has given us a voice in town to rally people together to do the work of God. And on March the 4th, we haven't talked about it too much. We will more when we get closer. March the 4th, we're praying for 10,000 people to gather out on a hill as the event called City on a Hill, March the 4th, by Immerse Ministries, is going to rock this county and shake up the kingdoms of darkness and let the spirit of adoption break the stronghold of broken families and orphaned children and families that are disintegrated with the spirit of sonship that God will bring the orphans. Because in the kingdom, even the orphans find a home. In the kingdom, even the poor find provision. In the kingdom, even the sick find healing. In the kingdom, the addicted find deliverance. Come on, stand to your feet with me. Come on, put your hands in the air. Just give God some, some praise today. Clap and shout to the Lord. Thy kingdom come, God. Thy will be done. Use the church, Lord. Because until, until the church is willing to work together to fulfill the Great Commission, the Great Commission will remain unfulfilled. Here's the last one. I think this is the last slide for me in the back. Thank you so much for keeping up with me today. The church must no longer be seen as a mere religious institution where people gather on Sundays to do religious things. The church must be seen as an embassy of the kingdom of heaven, training and commissioning and releasing kingdom ambassadors to transform the culture for the glory of God. Father God, today, I thank you for every kingdom ambassador that's in this room here this morning. 
I thank you, God, for the gifts and the callings of God that are without repentance. I thank you for the preaching and teaching ambassadors. I thank you for the praying and giving ambassadors. I thank you for the singing ambassadors. I thank you for the musician ambassadors. I thank you for the teaching ambassadors. I thank you, God, for the works of administration ambassadors. I thank you, God, for the mercy ambassadors. I thank you, God, for the organizational ambassadors. Every gift, every calling of God, every assignment that works together to build the church of the living God in this culture today. And Lord, we're going to declare it. We're going to announce it. We're going to stand in faith to testify that we're better together. We will do greater things together and it'll be exceedingly abundantly more than what we could ever do by ourselves. Because it's not by might, Jesus, not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the living God. If all lift your hands in the room this with me this morning. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Did I encourage anybody today? Did I, did I help anybody today in any respect? I, I want you to know, I, I want you to know, every one of you, you're an anointed, gifted leader. You're an ambassador of the King. I got to let you go. We changed the um, signs, the pictures on the wall out there. Anybody notice the new pictures on the wall? Say, did you notice the new pictures? Got pictures. Pastor uh, Meredith playing the keyboard. There's a pastor of a picture of Pastor Cesar out there on the wall. He's praying, interceding. I'm gonna have to tease him about that picture sometime. He, it really looks like it hurts, but uh, I'm just teasing him. But uh, anybody remember what used to be out there? That says says what I thought. Because it was there for so long, you didn't see it anymore. That's why we took it off the wall because it had been on the wall for so long you weren't seeing it anymore and you forgot what it was even there. What used to be on the wall out there was our mission statement. Embracing people, encountering God, empowering leaders. And if there's one message anyone needs to take away from this today is you are a kingdom ambassador and you are empowered. My life's goal is to train you up and to teach you and inspire you and to, to build you up so that you know who you are and what you've got to do and what your assignment is and how God will anoint you to fulfill whom he has called you to and want to deliver you from any type of broken, unhealthy, just pseudo-spiritual self-portrait that says, I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be able to do anything. I, I, I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. Those are lies from the pit of hell. Every one of you are more talented. You're more gifted. You're more anointed than what you could ever know. All you've got to do is step into your assignment and say, God, your anointing is on me, and I'm going to fulfill the call of God. You doing okay today? Praise God. Let's one more time put our hands together. Let's give a praise to God today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, bless the people as they go today. Bless the inaugural service today of Familia Hispana today. Bless Pastor Mauricio and Deanna today. Anoint them, empower them. Give them favor, Lord, with Spanish-speaking people all over this region to draw them in, to teach and preach to them the gospel of the kingdom. Bless the people today. Encourage and strengthen them in the power of the Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you as you go in the mighty authority of the name of Jesus. God bless you.